Welcome to Would Someone Please Tell Me What to Do with Heidi Reisner. We pray this podcast is a place you can push pause from the busyness of life and be encouraged in a way that will help you know and understand God just a little more. Y'all ready for Bible study? Have y'all enjoyed? I ask y'all this every week and I always, I go back and read, I go back and read all your comments at the end, which is always so wonderful. Y'all are so awesome. Um, but I, I hope, this is, this is my prayer. I hope that you'll never, ever read Psalms 23 the same way again, that you'll, you'll never read it the same way. Uh, if you remember at the beginning, I talked about, uh, just painting a picture in our mind, this picture that we're going to keep painting and we're going to wrap this up. Actually, today is week four. Next week is week five and then we have week six and we're done. So this is a six-week study. This is week four today. We have two more after today. And uh, by the time we finish, there's going to be a complete picture painted that I uh, hope that's etched in our hearts and minds forever so that when you're reading Psalms 23 or hearing it read, this picture begins to play out in your mind. So anyway, I'm glad to see y'all. Let me tell y'all this while everybody's jumping on. Again, tag your girlfriends. Let me know where y'all are watching from. Uh, but let me tell y'all this, just a quick little announcement. Uh, this coming Sunday for church, uh, OSC Church at Home, this coming Sunday uh, is Dr. Darius. And so y'all do not want to miss it. Uh, I was here for the live taping uh, or the live, the taping that we did and worship was just absolutely awesome. Dr. Darius has an absolutely amazing message and is so timely for what season that we're in now, the season that we're walking through. So that's this coming Sunday. Uh, you can watch it on all the social media platforms or uh, OurSaviorsChurch.com at 9 and 11. So this Sunday is Dr. Darius. Y'all do not want to miss it. Uh, and then next week, I've got some uh, fun and exciting news uh, that I'll share with y'all, but we'll wait for next week on that, okay? So uh, this week, Dr. Darius is going to be awesome. So anyway, let's get going. We're going to jump into this. Get your journal. Get your notebook out. I hope y'all are taking notes. I hope y'all are taking great notes because I, I say this often, and I don't think I've said it for this Bible study yet, but... I want you to take notes just for yourself because we, you, we remember what we write down. We will remember it better if we write it down. But there's going to come a time, once you get through this Bible study, and I, I say this often, that when God's taking us through something, whether it's a study, whether it's a season, whether it's a lesson He's teaching us, it's always about us. It's about us and Him. And, and what he wants to teach us through that, that season that we're walking through. But once we get through the season, then it doesn't become about us anymore. It becomes about us turning around and beginning to teach other people or share with other people what God shared with us. And, right. that, and that's what discipleship is. And you've heard me say this a million times if you've heard me teach or, or speak, that discipleship is simply teaching others what God has taught us. And so that's what I want you to take good notes for, because I, for your own personal benefit. But there's going to come a time to where there's going to be people in your life that's going to need this. And you're going to turn around and sit down with them and go, let me walk you through Psalms 23. Yeah. There's people in your life that are going to need peace and comfort, especially in these days that we're living, and that you're going to have the answer for them. 
that people are praying and asking God to meet them. What do you do? And God help me. You have the answer for them and that God's going to give you opportunities to turn around and share with them what I've shared with you. So that's why I want you to take good notes. And I also want you to keep your eyes open for those opportunities when they come, that you take advantage of it, that you can be God's voice to people in your life, that prayerfully God may be using my voice to speak hope and encouragement to you as well. So that's just a little tidbit. Keep, you know, make record of that. And keep your eyes open for people that God's going to divinely place in your life to, to be able to speak that to. So let's open to Psalms 23. I hope y'all are, are reading this. I've given y'all an assignment every week to read to read this every single day out loud. And I think what I think you're realizing now that as you do that, you're going to memorize the entire chapter of Psalms 23. How many of you can say I've memorized an entire chapter in the book of the Bible? Probably not, not, maybe not many of us, but now you're going to be able to get through this. And because you've read it every single day and you're reading it out loud, that you're going to be able to memorize Psalms 23 by memory, that you're going to be able to quote that by memory. And uh, what an accomplishment. And most of, again, most people could never say I've memorized an entire chapter of the Bible. You're going to be able to do that right. when we get done with it, with this study. So Psalms 23, I'm going to read it to you again. And it says this, and this I, I want you to, and I'm, I'm not going to go back and redo all the other weeks. You can go back and listen to those. But again, I want you to picture the, the in your mind what we've learned the last three weeks of these verses. Uh, Psalms chapter 23, uh, starting in verse 1, it says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I told you at the beginning of the, the Bible study of Psalms 23 that I was really praying and asking God what, what he wanted me to teach on this Bible study. And I really felt, I felt impressed in my heart. I felt the leading of the Holy Spirit say, I want you to talk and bring peace and comfort. And that's when I knew I went straight to Psalms 23 and said, there's no probably no better passage in the Bible that brings such peace and comfort than this Psalms right here. Many of you are familiar with it, that it's oftentimes read at funerals or wakes, but it's not just for those moments. It's for every single day of our life. And today we're going to even talk more about comfort and I'm going to, I'm going to get there in a minute, but let me start. We're going to start, we're going to do, uh, go with verse four today. And it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, some versions will say, even though I walk through the darkest valley, that I, that I will fear no evil. And so um, there's a shift in David's writing. If you remember, at the, probably week one, I mentioned this to you, that David is the author of this psalm. David was a son of a shepherd, and then David was a shepherd himself. 
So he was writing this psalm from firsthand experience. He wasn't writing as a shepherd, but he was writing as if he were the sheep. Because throughout the Bible, and I gave you all those verses, I think on week one, when the Bible relates us, Christians, those who, who, who walk with God as sheep, and, and God is our shepherd. And so David is, is writing in that context of as a sheep. But there's a shift. If you see in verse 4, in verse 1, 2, and 3, he's talking, he's talking uh, in third person. He's talking about the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. We talked about all those action words that the shepherd is constantly working on our behalf. But in verse 4, there's a shift. And then it becomes an intimate conversation. It's not in third person anymore. It's a conversation when he talks about, now he uses the pronouns you and I. That David then begins to converse with the Lord and it's not the Lord is my shepherd as he's telling someone else about him. That he shifts his conversation and it becomes an intimate conversation between him and God. Right. You and I. You and I. So then he right. shifts that. And he says this in verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I'm not going to fear any evil. Let me paint this picture. And again, I want you to stay with me because I'm going to give you a lot of background and some history and some facts as far as shepherding goes. Because especially those of us living in uh, America, those of us, we're, we're not familiar with shepherding. We don't understand what so much of this means. And hopefully each week I've been able to give you a little bit more and a little bit more to where you understand it a little bit better. But this picture that was being painted in Psalms 23, many theologians believe as David was writing this, because he was, again, a son of a shepherd and he was a shepherd himself. And in shepherding, uh, in the, uh, the, uh, the work of shepherding in the Middle East, this was a one-year journey that he takes these sheep on. So Psalms 23 would would uh, Psalms 23 would represent an entire years in the life of a sheep, and so when when they leave, there's the the ranch or the home ranch that we're going to talk about in weeks to come, where the sheep are bedded down and 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 fed and tended to for the winter season, and the spring when spring comes, then they're taken out of. Uh, that ranch area and they begin their journey. And so where we're talking about, when he talks about the green pastures, the quiet waters, they're right. on this journey. They're not at the home ranch anymore. They're on this journey. And so the shepherd at the end of the summer, he starts taking the sheep on this journey up the mountains. Mm -hmm. So in the, in the spring, you know, they're, they're grazing in the, in the, in the summer, Months they're grazing in open fields, green pastures, quiet waters. They're, they're grazing in the open area. At the end of the summer, the shepherd begins leading them up the mountain ranges. Because at the top of the mountain, by the end of summer, the snows have melted from winter. And the waters are the clearest they'll ever be. They're the most purest form. They've melted. Right. And that's where the shepherd, for optimal feeding and optimal grazing, he's going to lead them to the top of the mountain because, again, there's, there's no snow, there's no, you know, it's all green and it's all fresh. And so, and so when he's leading them there, 
Then as autumn approaches, as fall comes, he begins to start leading them back down the mountain to start to eventually get them back to the home ranch by the time winter hits so that they escape all the bad weather and the right. cold weather. Does that does that make sense? I'm, yes. Again, I'm painting this picture. And so David is, it's during this long drive home in verse 4, they're, they're, they've been up on the, on the mountain ranges and, and they're beginning to come down the mountain. And this is the time, it's that long drive back to the home ranch that the shepherd is constantly with the sheep 24-7. He never ever leaves him alone. Now, it's not that he leaves them alone during the other part of the journey, but there's times that he'll go ahead of them. He'll find the green pastures. He'll find the quiet waters. He'll find the clear streams to drink from. And then he'll come back and get them. He'll leave them grazing, and he'll go ahead of them, prepare some areas, come back and get them. But it's during this long drive from the mountaintop back down to the home ranch that he never leaves them at all. Right. And we're going to talk about that today and next week because there's a reason he never leaves them during this drive home. Because part of the reason it can be dangerous coming down the mountain. Coming down the mountain can be dangerous because of rock slides or avalanches or whatever. He's got to be there to be able to protect the sheep. If you remember from the first week, I told you, sheep by nature in the natural are very, very fearful. Remember that. And it's not a coincidence that God uh, compares us to sheep. Sheep are very fearful. They're restless. They're nervous. They're anxious. That They have no defense mechanism. So they get all in a tizzy over so many things. And so the shepherd stays with them coming down this mountain. And so that's why in verse 4... It says that um, that they're not going to fear because you are with me. The shepherd never, ever, ever leaves the sight of his sheep when they're coming down that mountain range. I don't know if there's any hikers out there. If y'all hike, of course, here in South Louisiana, there's not too many places to hike. But uh, in different parts of the country or if y'all have gone on vacation, I don't know if, if any of y'all are hikers. But um, this was several years ago. Eugene and I went to a um, went to a retreat area in Northern California, and um, it, it was called JH Ranch. And many of you are familiar with that. That uh, it, it's a, a ranch that you can. It's a, a father daughter kind of week away, or mother son, or then there's a marriage retreat, which is what we went on was a marriage retreat. And so it's in, it's in Northern California. It's absolutely gorgeous. The scenery is just breathtaking. And so one afternoon, um, and Eugene and I had been on hikes and stuff before, like when we've gone to different parts of the country or whatever. Well, this particular time when we were, again, in Northern California, what, what was the, the girls were here, what was it? Was it Mount Shasta? Is that yes. the mountain that was there? Yes. So Mount Shasta is, is the big mountain that was, that's there where this, where this retreat area is. So Eugene and I and the team that we were with, you know, did this, and it was a major hike. And so our, our leader said, if you're not up for this, y'all can just opt out and we'll, we'll see you later because this is not for the faint of heart. So, you know, Eugene and I, again, back then, it was probably, it was probably 10 years ago that we went. So especially 10 years ago, you know, we're thinking we're all that and we're big athletes and we can do, you know, and my knee was not you know, failing me and I hadn't had all my surgery. So, you know, I was feeling strong. 
So we, we take this hike and it was seven or eight miles one direction. So you go up and, and climbing uphill is quite a feat. And, you know, okay, and you're sweating and it's winding roads and it's, you know, rocks and dirt and trees and all this stuff. But once you got up there, you were on the plateau and then the scenery, it was, it was like, I said, it feels like you were on the scene of the Sound of Music uh, movie. Remember that movie, the uh, Julie Andrews and she's singing and dancing and all that. We didn't do that. But anyway, you get up to that plateau. That's how gorgeous it was. But then we feel, felt like we had made it. What we didn't realize is that the hardest part of the trip wasn't going up that mountain. The hardest part of the trip was coming down the mountain. And you, would, you wouldn't think that. You would think, okay, it's all uphill and it's all big cardio and it's a lot of hard work, which it was. Again, it was seven or eight miles one way. So we get up there. But then our leader, we took a break and ate lunch and all that. And he said, now... The hard, the real hard work is coming down because it is far more difficult. It's far more dangerous. It's you're more prone to injury coming down this mountain than you were going up. And again, Eugene and I looked at one another and said, "Okay, no problem, y'all. We can do this." Okay, the the the, the guide was not joking. Coming down that mountain was so treacherous because it was slippery. You hit a rock, you could fall, you could go off the edge. I mean, it was the most nerve wracking hike. I've ever been on in my life and it was the part coming down that was so scary because again if your foot slipped or you hit a rock and all the rocks started or you slipped I mean the edge is like right there and like you're up to, I don't know how high it was you were as high as kingdom come and if you slipped I mean like you were a goner so it was the most nerve-wracking thing coming down that mountain I say all that to say if any of you have hiked, you're going to understand that. But if you haven't, that's the point David's making. That these sheep are coming down this mountain. The downward trail is more treacherous than going up. And he's going, I'm not going to fear because you're with me. I'm not going to fear because you're with me. Then the verse, again, um, uh, even before that, when he talks about it, he goes, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or I walk through the darkest valleys. Yeah. The shepherd leads their sheep through the darkest valleys. And I know y'all have heard this before, but I want to make sure that you get this. David says, even though I walk through right. the darkest valleys. David did not say, even though I camp out in the darkest valleys, even though I live in the darkest valleys, even though I sit down and refuse to move through the darkest valleys. He doesn't say that. He says, even though I walk through. And when we're in seasons of our life that are dark, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that at the end, but even though we walk through, and we could say this is a dark season. This is a season unlike any of us have ever seen. Our country has ever seen. Our world has ever seen. There is so much uncertainty and so much fear and so much unknown. And it can be so very, very dark. Girls, regardless of whatever dark season you're in and whatever it looks like, the key to getting through a dark season is to keep moving. Yes. You have to keep moving. Great. If you don't, you're going to sit down 
and you're going to wallow in a dark season. Yeah. You're going to be overtaken by predators. That's why David said, I have to keep walking through the dark valley, the darkest valley, because he knew the shepherd's role was to keep those sheep moving. Right. If they landed in a dark valley and they stayed in a dark valley and they didn't keep moving, predators would come and, and kill the sheep and eat the sheep and, and ravage the sheep because predators are always watching. There's always coyotes. There's always vultures. There's always all of these predators on cliffs watching. They're just waiting for this herd of sheep to stop. And if they stopped in dark valleys when they couldn't see well, when they were scared and frightened, these predators could take advantage of them and take them out. That's what David's talking about. And so that's in the natural. So in the spiritual, what does that mean for us? Exactly what I just said. You, can't, you cannot stop in a dark valley. Right. Because that's when the enemy, the enemy's way is to isolate you. Right. The enemy's way is to get you to stop and wallow in self-pity and worry and doubt and fear and never make any movement forward. Okay, what does that practically mean? What does it mean moving forward? It means that you don't just sit and do nothing. Right. That you don't just sit and do nothing. That that is picking up the Word of God. Yes. It is getting in God's Word. It's praying. It's reaching out to, to godly and trusted voices in your life. It's filling yourself full of, of, of God and His Word and His truth. It's allowing other people to walk with you. It's connecting yourself with other believers. It's going through a routine in your life. So many people that I've talked to through this season of COVID that we've been in, and at the beginning when we were really in a quarantine situation, though sometimes it still feels like we are a little bit, the worst thing in the world is to do nothing. You've got to still have your routine. You've got to still get up, Put yourself together. Make right. yourself a to-do list. Do some things because if you sit and do nothing, the enemy, yeah. the predator of our mind, right. just comes and starts bombarding us with lies and fears and doubts and doom and gloom. And you, we have to keep moving through the darkest valley. The darkest valley doesn't last forever. It doesn't. It's just a season. Right. And as long as you're moving, you're one step closer to being on the other side of the dark valley. Yes. If you're not moving, you're just sitting there and you're waiting for something to pass when you're not doing anything to move through it. I hope this is making sense to y'all because I want to encourage you. The shepherd never, ever, ever leaves his sheep in these dark valleys. Yes. God has never, ever left us. He's ahead of us, leading us. This is what a dark valley means, though. The darker it is, the harder it is to see the shepherd at times. Right. And there are times when it feels like we cannot see him. We feel like we don't know where he is. But that's where the faith in our heart has to come in to trust. I, my shepherd is ahead of me. His word tells me that he's with me and that I'm going to just keep my eyes forward and right. keep moving forward. And, and this is a little bit, Dr. Darius hits on this a little bit on his message on Sunday, which is why y'all have to watch online. 
But you've got to keep your eyes forward, set on that shepherd, knowing that he's there. Even if you can't see him, even if you can't feel him, even if you're not totally sure, by faith, we know our shepherd never leaves us. And that he's ahead of us a few steps. And when it's the darkest, it's when your eyes have to be the most fixed. When it's darkest, it's when your eyes have to be focused and going forward and going, I am going to keep moving and keep walking and believing that my shepherd is ahead of me and that we're going to come out of this season eventually and we will. So I, I, I want you to, I want you to see, to see that picture. The sheep again must keep the sheep, the shepherd must keep the sheep moving through this dark uh, terrain. The shepherd also knows that some of the best nutrients and some of the best feeding grounds are found in those valleys. Some of the very best places for the sheep to graze and to get nutrients are in the valleys where the hot summer sun can't scorch it or or depleted of nutrients. That Some of their best feeding is in the valleys, but they've got to keep moving through the valleys to be able to feed. Right. I know y'all can testify to this. And so y'all can let me know by putting, you don't tell me the details, but you can testify to this in your comments. The greatest growth that God does in our life is usually never on the mountaintops. It's usually always in the valleys. The greatest growth, the greatest lessons, the greatest character of Christ being formed in our hearts usually are not on the mountaintops. It's in the valleys. But this is the trick though. We never know it's happening until we get to the other side of the valley. When we're walking through dark valleys, it doesn't feel like we're learning lessons. And it doesn't feel like we're getting closer to God. And it doesn't feel like we're growing. It's dark and it's scary and it's uncertain. Very much like this season that we're in right now. But you have to trust there are lessons and there there is character and there is things that God's forming and growing in our life in this season because you just can't see your own growth. You can't see it. It's like your kids at, at home and y'all may, now they have these fancy things. But back in the day when my kids were little, you, we just marked their height on the closet door. And every birthday you'd mark their height. Now, while they're growing, the kids didn't feel like they were growing. But it was when we came and measured and went, oh, wow, they grew two inches this year. They grew half an inch this year. You don't realize you're growing until you go back and take that measuring stick and begin to measure. You don't know you're growing in the valley. You do not know. You just have to keep walking and keep going through it. And you're going to get to the other side of the valley and you're going to come out of that season. And then you're going to be able to put your spiritual measuring stick up and go, you know what? I grew a lot through that. I grew a lot. God did a lot in my life during that time. You just don't feel it and see it when it's happening. That's why it's called faith. That's why it's called faith. It's when we don't see it and we don't feel it. That's when faith kicks in. So I I hope that makes good sense. I want, as they're walking through the darkest valley, that understanding that you're never, ever alone. Yeah. That God is with you more in the darkest valleys than any other time in the journey. Yeah. It's when you feel him less is when he's really the closest. Yeah. So again, the key to walking through the dark valley is you've got to keep walking through it and keep moving. So 
even though I walk through the, the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, the next part of the verse says this. He said, I will fear no evil. And then David goes on to say, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I will fear no evil because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let me explain this because if you don't, if we don't understand what a rod and a staff are, we're going to read over those verses and not get the full understanding of how much comfort God can bring to us. The shepherd only has two things in his possession. When a shepherd is leading his sheep, he only has two things in his possession. He has a rod and he has a staff. The rod is a long, slender stick that has a little knob on the end. And it's, it was a symbol of his, his authority over the sheep. It clearly let the sheep know who were in charge. Now, this rod, the, sheep, the shepherd never ever hit the sheep with the, with the rod. But he would use it to, 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 to bring correction to them if they're going out of the herd. Remember that very first uh, week of Bible study that I read about an actual shepherd and that sheep that kept jumping over the fence and going uh, over to somebody else's field? He'll use that rod to bring correction, to, to move them back where they need to be. Um, he'll also use that rod for predators. When coyotes or any kind of, of animal comes and tries to prey on the sheep, he'll use that rod to ward off the predators. So that's the rod that he has in his hand. Uh, the other thing he has in his possession is a staff. And this, I'm trying to show y'all what this looks like with that. I can't stand up because we've got all these devices. But this, I want y'all to see, and, and I'm going to go it right here. This is a staff. Now, this is, it's real tall. If y'all can see, okay, right here, I'm going to make sure every device can see it. Y'all can see I'm fixing to knock everything over in this room. But this is a staff. Now, it's real tall. If I stand it up this tall, you know, it, it's tall. But I'm going to do it this way so y'all can see. So this is a staff. So it's a long wooden stick that has a hook on the end. Let me explain where, I just, I just don't, you just don't go to a store and buy a staff somewhere. This was back in uh, the mid-90s. Eugene and I started an inner city church in the city of Houston. And uh, it was 1995. And one of the leaders of the denomination that we were a part of at that time came to our church and prayed a blessing over us to start this inner city uh, church that we did. Uh, and he brought this staff. And I don't know where he got it or who made it for him, but he brought it and he presented it to Eugene just as just a symbolic of, of the field we were about to walk into and the comfort and the guidance that we would need just as a, as a symbol. So that was however many years ago, 25, 25 years ago. And every move we've made, everywhere we've gone, we've kept the staff. And it's in our office or right now it's in our home. And so th this is what a staff would look like that a shepherd would have. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it back down. But again, it's got the hook on it for a reason. And I'm going to explain that. So the other piece that the shepherd had was the staff. The staff is very unique for shepherding. There's no other class of livestock that ranchers or anybody, they don't, they don't, use, this, they don't use this staff for anything else except with sheep. It's only used for sheep. There's one word that describes this staff. 
When sheep see a staff and see their shepherd with the staff, there is one word that describes it, and that word is comfort. Mm -hmm. Comfort. This staff brings great comfort to the sheep. The staff, again, the rod is used for some correction and is used for some discipline and is used to keep predators away. That's not the case with the staff. The staff is used to draw sheep back into the fold when they wandered off. So that's why it's got the hook. So again, the staff wouldn't be used to hit. It wouldn't be used to even point. The shepherd would take the staff and with this hook and he gently puts it around the, the neck of the shepherd. And I'm fixing to poke hand in the eye, sorry. <laughs> the, the neck of the, the, the sheep and pull them back in to the rest of the flock because sheep will wander off and try to, you know, find greener pasture somewhere else. And so that's what the, the staff is for. Gently puts it around their neck, reaches out and just pulls them back in. There are times if, if, if sheep have fallen down, and I think it was last week we talked about being cast. If, if sheep have fallen down, he'll use a staff to help get them back up. Then there are times this is precious. This isn't a natural then there are times at night or in the daytime when the sheep are, are just resting under a shade tree or at night when they're sleeping and some sheep will, and I may start crying about this because it's so precious, some sheep will still be really anxious and really fearful and there'll be many times that the shepherd will take his staff and he'll just lay it right on them. Not, not to do anything with not to pull them back, but he just to settle them down, to calm them, to bring comfort to them. Because if they feel the staff being laid against them, they know the shepherd is right there. So good. It, it, it's a, it's a, a tool of comfort just to lay it right next to them. Sheep that are having a hard time, sheep that are restless and fearful and worrisome. To calm them down, that shepherd will just take it and just lay it right there on their little furry bodies. And all they need to know is feeling that staff against them, they know their shepherd is there. No harm's going to come to them. And that gives them great comfort to where they're able to rest knowing that the shepherd is so close. In Bible times, when a young man came to a certain age, it was a very big deal for him to go out into the woods and to, and to choose a stick and he would come back and he would begin to carve his own staff. It was a big deal when a young man came of age and his, and his family occupation was shepherding. And so he would go, they would send him out to the woods, he would get a stick and he would begin to carve this staff and it would be his own personal staff and he would personalize it. And as, as years would pass, and as this young boy grew into a teenager and then into a young man and then into adulthood, this staff stayed with him all the time. He never was without a staff. And what theologians and my research has found talking about shepherding is that in those days as they were leading and guiding the sheep and tending to the sheep, with the same knife that they would carve this staff out and make this hook, Throughout the years of them shepherding, they would take their knife and they would carve in symbols 
of what happened in their life in this staff. And so they may, you know, you know, put a name or they may put an image or, and they would just carve different carvings because this was their personal staff that nobody else would be using and no one else would ever have. And so in knowing that, it would represent different victories in their life. It would represent different milestones in their life. And that, again, just symbols and, and markings they would put on this. So in knowing that, I wonder what David's staff looked like. David, as a young boy, would have been sent out to the woods to get his own stick, and he would carve his staff. And then over the years of David's life, he would make carvings and symbols and markings in his staff, noting different milestones in his life. What we read out of the Word of God about David's life, just maybe there was a, an image of a bear that he killed one time. And then there may be another image of a lion that he killed one time. And I'm most certain that if we had David's staff today, there would be an image of a giant. And it may even have been written Goliath underneath it noting a strong, great, mighty victory that God saw David through. But then there may have been some other milestones that he would have carved on this, some of his own shortcomings and some of his own sins and some of the mistakes that he made in his life. I wonder what David's staff would have looked like. The shepherd's staff in the natural reminded him of the faithfulness of God in his life. So when David has his staff and he comes and he sees the giant Goliath and he's so giant and he's so mighty and nobody else wants to fight him, just maybe David looked back at his staff and saw the bear that he carved and, and saw the lion that he carved and said, God was with me here and he was with me here right. and he was with me here and he was with me here. Right. And because of the great faithfulness of God in these times, surely he's going to be with me now when right. I face a giant unlike I've ever seen before. Right. The staff would remind the shepherds of the faithfulness of God. So keeping that in mind, when David says in Psalms 23, even though I walk right. through the darkest valleys, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When we look back at the faithfulness of God in our lives, it brings great comfort to us. Yeah. It's very, very hard to see God going forward. But when we look back over our life, it's very easy to see God and His faithfulness. Yeah. When we're walking through it, we don't see it so much. But when we get through it and look back, we see the faithfulness of God in our life. That's what this staff represented to the shepherds. What does that mean to us today? Do we walk around with staffs? No. But there are things in our lives that represent staffs. For me, for me, it's the Word of God. Yeah. It's this Bible that represents a staff in my life. I've had this Bible for 30, I think it's 1993 that I got it, so 27 years ago. And throughout this Bible, and y'all can't see, but you, all the verses that are underlined and all the dates that I've written and all the notes that I've put, the names of my children 
and what I was praying for them, the name of my husband, I was fixing the names of my husband, just, just one husband, <laughs> the, the name of my husband and, the, the, and what I was praying, the churches and the campuses and the people. And whenever I walk through a dark valley, and there's dark valleys that we all have to walk through, I pull out this word of God. And though in those times that I can look back and see, and though I don't have a staff that I carry, I do carry God's word. And it's the markings and it's the notes and it's the dates to go, God, you were with me here and you were with me here and you were with me here and you were with me here. And I know you're going to be with me now. Yes. The word of God that brings such comfort to our hearts. I remember this was back in the this was back in the early 90s. And I'm wrapping up by the way. I'm closing. This was back in the early 90s. And I've always loved the word of God. I've read the word of God since I was a little girl. I've I've always read God's word. But in the early 90s there was a church service and it was at the beginning, it was at the beginning of the year. And the and the and the, we were associate pastors at the church at this time, and the pastor was preaching and just talked about you know what is the one thing you want to ask God for this year, and I remember I could take you back to the church where I was at, what pew I was sitting in, and I remember going God, I want to love Your Word and know Your Word more than anything in this whole world. And though I've read His Word my whole life, I said God, I want a deep, deep love for Your Word, unlike anything I've ever known. And God granted me that desire. There's so much I need to learn, so much more I need to learn, so much more I want to know. But from that moment on, it wasn't just reading God's Word just to read it to check it off my list. It was a depth of my heart, a love that I had for His Word. Because if I have a love for His Word, I have a love for Him. Right. right. If I have a love for His Word, then I know His character and His ways right. more. If I have a love for His Word, then I know and love His voice. And I just want to encourage you girls that this word is not just something that you just read for Bible study or read to check off to say you did it. That you can ask God for that same prayer. That God, you would give me a love for your word like I've never known before. That it is alive and it is active, the book of Hebrews says. And that it comes alive no matter how many times you've read read it. And for me, this has been my staff. This has been what I've carried through my whole life. And on dark seasons and dark days, and I've had them, when other people have tried to comfort me, and it's not their fault, but there's times that there's no human that could ever bring comfort like you need comfort. And on those dark days and on those dark seasons when no human being could bring me comfort, I've picked up the Word of God, and I've held it close to my heart, and I've read it, and I've gone back, and I've looked at the markings, and I've looked at the dates, And I've looked at the goodness and the faithfulness of God and it's brought me the greatest comfort I've ever known because of a staff that I've carved, that I've written in, that I've made notes in that is so personal. One day, and I always try to change Bibles and a lot of people will say to try to change Bibles and change it up and I'll read from other translations. But this one I'll go back to. I've had it recovered a hundred times. And I'll tell my kids this, and they'll tell me how morbid I am. But I'll say, one day when I die, y'all are going to have this Bible, and you're going to be able to see what I've written and what I've put down and what answers to prayer God's brought, because this is the most personal thing that I have, a staff 
your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I walk through yes. the darkest valleys, right. I will fear no evil. Right. For your rod yes. and your staff, right. they comfort me. So girls, today, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you today for you to feel the comfort of your shepherd, for you to feel the comfort of his staff just laying against you, for you to know you may not can see him and you may not hear him and you may not realize he's there. But my prayer today is that you would feel the comfort of his staff next to you, that you would feel the comfort of the Holy Spirit when you open your word or when you open your journal and you've seen what you've written over years past and the comfort of knowing that God has been with you and he will continue to walk with you through the darkest valleys of your life. Amen. Amen. Does that bring hope to you girls? I hope that it does. Let me pray for you. And then I'm going to give you a couple of things to do uh, as your uh, your assignment this week. And, uh, and, and I'll do that after we pray. Father, I thank you for this time together. Father, I thank you for the comfort of your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that even though we walk through dark valleys and every single one of us walk through them, That, God, we will fear no evil because our good shepherd, our personal shepherd, is walking right with us. Father, I pray that we would feel the comfort of your rod and your staff, that they would bring us great comfort. That, Father, I pray the faithfulness of God in our lives, that we would look back over our lives and see the victories and even the defeats but we'll see you in every single situation we've ever walked through. That, God, we would open your word and we would see the words that we've underlined and the dates that we've written and the notes that we've scribbled and that, God, it would bring great faith and great hope to our heart as we continue to walk through, not stopping, but walking through these dark days. So, Father, I pray, bring comfort to everyone who's listening today. Draw near to them with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Girls, let me give you just real quickly, I want you to continue reading Psalms 23. Psalms 23 out loud in different versions. Again, you are memorizing the Word of God when you do that. And then one more thing I want you to do, I want you to take your journal out this week. And I want you to begin to look back at your staff. Whatever that looks like. Whether your life, the victories, the defeats, whatever. Look back at your own personal staff. If you had this staff and you had carvings on it, what would it look like? What would the faithfulness of God look like in your life? And I want you to write that down in your journal. I want you to write a prayer of gratitude that God, you were with me here and you were with me here and you were with me here and great is your faithfulness and be so encouraged by that. But I want you to take some time this week and really write down that every single area in your life that you've seen God be faithful and prove himself faithful with. And it's going to bring you great comfort and great peace. So girls, I love you. I'm so glad to spend this little bit of time with y'all. We'll see again online this week. I'll see you next week here. We're going to go into right into verse five. And uh, I can't wait to see you. Love you girls. Y'all have a great day. Bye-bye. For more information or questions about today's podcast, please visit HeidiReisner.com or email us at info at HeidiReisner.com.